friends. My name is Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, I chat with Megan Hill about her book, Patience, Waiting with Hope. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Megan Hill is a pastor's daughter and pastor's wife. She lives with her husband and four children in Massachusetts, where she is a member of West Springfield Covenant Community Church, and she is the author of several books and also an editor for the Gospel Coalition. Hey there, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us for the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Christine. It's always great to be here. I'm so thankful that you are back on the show to talk about another one of your devotionals. So you have contributed a couple different times to the PNR Publishing 31 Day Devotional Series. We spoke a few years ago, I think now, on contentment. And uh, now we're going to be talking about the new one that you've released, which is called Patience Waiting with Hope. And so before we get started in our conversation about this particular project of yours, would you share a few insights as to why you wanted to write on this topic? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, patience is something that I struggle with, I think everybody struggles with. And so it's, you know, you always write the book that you need to read, I think. And so there's a very real sense in which this was a book that I needed to read. I also, as you said, I wrote a book on contentment. And as I was writing on contentment, um, I was sort of realizing how much patience and contentment are connected to each other. So contentment is sort of submitting to God in all circumstances, cheerfully, joyfully submitting to him in all circumstances. Um, Patience is more sort of how do you submit to God and what do you do while you're waiting? And so the two are very much connected. And so as I was working on contentment, I was thinking, yeah, I think there's something here about patience too. And I'd like to kind of explore that avenue a little bit because I definitely need it. Yeah. Amen. Me too. (laughs) I was actually really thankful that you allowed me to preview this manuscript for an endorsement. It came at a really uh, difficult and challenging time in our family life, just some personal trials that we were going through. And so I definitely needed the reminders that you shared in this particular devotional um, with regards to, you know, what do we do while we're waiting on God and how do we not let that waiting time turn into a bitter time, but a fruitful time where we can actually be growing. And so I appreciate how you gently lead the reader through that process. Um, There was a lot of comfort, encouragement, but then also some counsel and some challenges too that you offer in, in the devotional in a really helpful way. So thank you for your work on this project. Now, today we're talking, you know, we're taking the angle of hope and help for impatience. And so while it might seem obvious about what impatience is, I wonder if you could just spend a few minutes defining that and maybe even offering some examples as to how it might manifest in our daily lives. I think impatience fundamentally is believing that we are in control of our time and our schedule, whether that is sort of short-term, you know, how long it's going to take me to get to work, or whether that's long-term, you know, 
when the Lord might provide a job change or when the Lord might provide a spouse or, you know, so it's believing that we're in charge, we're in control of our time and our schedule, and then becoming frustrated when, surprise, surprise, things don't happen as we would have them happen. Yeah. And so I guess something to consider too, that I think you point out in the devotional is just the impact that impatience has on our relationships and also even with our vertical relationship with the Lord. Can you talk a little bit about those effects? Yeah. So I think that um, when we believe that we're in control, then we're sort of wresting control away from God. I mean, not that we can actually take it, but in our minds, you know, we're in control and God isn't in control when things, and even if we sort of assent, oh, you know, actually I know that God is in control, but functionally when we get frustrated, then when things don't work out in our timing, then we're expressing essentially distrust in God. You know, I wanted it to happen on this timing. God, you're causing it to happen on this timing. I think you're wrong, God. I think you're doing the wrong thing here. Or maybe I'm worried that you don't have this, God, and I'm feeling very anxious and that manifests itself then as frustration or anger, you know, in our lives. So I think it impacts our relationship with God in that we're not really trusting him to give what's best on the right time. We're saying, I think you've done something wrong here. I think you've messed up God. And then of course, it also impacts our relationships with other people, whether we're expressing anger at them because they're making us wait, whether we're exerting control over them because we want them to do things on our timing and our schedule, or it could be even just something where people are witnessing our impatience and they're thinking, you know what? Megan says she follows God. She says she trusts God, but clearly she doesn't trust God because she's really frustrated that this isn't working out in her timing. So maybe God isn't trustworthy. You know, there's a sense in which we can lead other, we're we're representing to other people whether God is trustworthy or not. And our impatience can sort of tell them, even if they're not totally connecting those dots, but if they know that we, we trust God and yet we're really anxious or frustrated, it can sort of give the testimony, "Mm, God's not actually all that trustworthy. Yeah, that's that's really good. This has been, I think, especially relevant when it comes to the context of relationships, you know, and, um, you know, having that patient attitude, you know, as a mom, I think about my children. And, you know, I think you mentioned in in the book about how, you know, people, when, when they've recognized a continuous response of impatient frustration or anger to interruptions or a change of a sudden change of plans or somebody doing something wrong, you know, over time, it, it, it creates that break in the relationship where like, okay, this person's not safe. <laughs> like, this is not a safe person to come to when I've got a problem and I need help. I can't ask them because I know and I've seen that the response is typically anger, <laughs> you know? And so, and, and that's something I think this, this, the Holy Spirit has really been working in, on me with regards to this, the relationships in my own home, because I, as Christians and as a follower of Christ, like I want to be that safe place where someone can come with their problem, even if it's incredibly inconvenient <laughs> time for me. So just thank you for kind of helping us to explore some of the ways that impatience can negatively impact interpersonal relationships with others, but primarily 
It's a reflection of what's going on in our relationship with the Lord first. And so I guess, you know, some of us who are listening to this conversation, they may recognize that impatience is a problem and that it's been, you know, negatively impacting our lives in one way or another. And we may think, I know, I know, I really need to be more patient, but it's so hard. And where do I even begin? You know, I've tried all the things and read the blogs about it. However, you state in the beginning of the devotional that, quote, having a clear, constructive understanding of patience will help us to cultivate it in our lives. So before we go much further, then would you help us to think biblically about what patience is, what it isn't, especially how it relates to our circumstances and relationships? Yeah, patience is fundamentally trusting that God is in control of our time and our schedule. It's submitting to that, then saying, okay, Lord, you're the one who's doing this. It's trusting that God is good and that in time, in the circumstances of our lives, in our schedule, that he's doing what's for our good. And then I think it's also looking for good things to do while we're waiting. I think our culture sort of has this idea of patience as a very passive thing that, you know, whether you're waiting for, you know, a job change or a move or whether you're sitting in traffic and waiting, that really all you're doing is just, you know, it's, it's like a doctor's waiting room or something. You're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. And I think scripture sort of shows us that patience is actually a very active thing. You know, it's, it's long suffering. It's waiting on the Lord. It's doing good wherever we have an opportunity, even when we're seemingly stuck in one circumstance, it's looking for what would the Lord have me do right now while I feel stuck? You know, what can I do? And doing those things, I think the Bible just leads us to sort of this full picture of patience as really an active virtue rather than just a passive one. As you're talking, I'm thinking even of, you know, the element of humility, right? Like the humility that is required. And I didn't really have this on our on our plans to talk about, but I wonder if you might help us to even think because in terms of like the posture of the heart, right? I mean, at the at the core of patience, we want to get to the heart. At the core of it, we we need that humility and the Lord will humble us. <laughs> like he will put us in situations that humble us and then we're like, okay, well how do I respond? Um I can be angry because I don't want to be humbled right now, or I can yield uh, or submit to, you know, the Lord's sovereign plan and control in this situation. So maybe can you talk a little bit about the role of humility when it comes to thinking about what attitude (laughs) then do I need to be putting on? I mean, I think we can all get in this sort of prideful mindset. You know, we have our Google calendar and we've carefully slotted everything in there, you know, both for today and for our 10-year plan. And it gives us illusion that we're really in control of how things are going to fall out. And so then when they don't, of course, then that gives rise to impatience. But you are absolutely right that sort of the humble person says, okay, I can plan. I I can, I mean, that is, that's a good thing. I mean, the Lord, the Bible consistently, you know, says make, making a plan you know, having goals, thinking about how you can honor the Lord with your time. Those, those are all really good things. So there's, I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with making a plan for today or a plan for, you know, five years from now, 
But, you know, as James tells us, right, in, um, in the end of the book of James, the foolish person says, well, tomorrow I'll go here and there and do this and that. The godly person says, if the Lord wills, tomorrow we'll go here and there and do this and that. So that's the attitude that we want to cultivate. Not that we don't ever make a plan or budget our time, because that, that's a wise way to live your life, but that you make those plans ultimately under the sense of, if the Lord wills, this is my thought about what I think should happen and when, but I'm going to hold it loosely. I'm going to hold it before the Lord. And when he says, nope, you're going to do this instead, or nope, it's going to work out this way instead, then we can accept that from his hand. Because like you said, we've cultivated this heart of humility that's willing to go, this is what I think I should do, but I don't really know. And so God, you do what's best. I appreciate you using the word accept acceptance. I mean, you said accept that, but really the term acceptance, it made me think of a quote from Elizabeth Elliot's book, um, Suffering is Never for Nothing. And she she has a section where she talks about the importance of acceptance and just that she says, I think that the key to this business of suffering, meaning, you know, going through trials or affliction is is acceptance and just that, okay, well, I don't really like this. You can say that. It's okay to say, I don't really, I, this is not my preference. However, I trust you, Lord, I'm going to accept it and then figure out the next best right thing to do as a response. And so um, thank you just for helping us kind of talk through that a bit. And I think when I was preparing for this conversation, I was thinking back to things I've heard people say when it comes to their struggle with impatience. And I think sometimes we can be tempted to talk about this kind of reflex, right? This emotional reflex. If I'm impatient, I'm angry, I'm you know lashing out at people because what I want is not happening. We may think of it as just like a fact of life. Like it's a concrete part of my personality. I've always been this way. Uh, you know, it's a, a generational disposition. Even my dad was really impatient and angry. And so that's just how I am. And they don't really expect that they can or will change. Um, but I appreciate it in this devotional, how you really guide us to consider what the Lord wants for his children, for his chosen people. And that he wants them to take the call to patience and waiting well, seriously. And on day six, you highlight that God actually commands patience. And you share from Colossians 3.12. I want to read that for us. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And you go on to write that God lovingly places his command to patience in our path as a warning and reminder. So I wonder if you could explain what, what you mean by that when you say that this command is a, both a warning and a reminder. I think we see God's commands in that way are sort of warning and reminder. You know, by warning, he's saying, impatience is not what pleases me. You know, impatience is not the way of holiness. Impatience is ultimately rebellion against God. And it's not going to be good for you. I think all of us can say, as I look, as we look back to the impatient people that God has placed in our life, that, that wasn't good for them. And it wasn't good for those of us who are around them. And so it's, it's not good for us. So it's, it's a, it's a loving warning. It's a, don't fall off this cliff. You know, I, I love you. You're my beloved children. I, I don't want you to go off, go off the edge here. Here's a fence, be patient, you know, and then it's also a reminder and we need that reminder. You know, we're impatient so many times a day, just looking back at the past hours, I'm sure you could think of times when you've been impatient. And so the Lord 
repeatedly in scripture holds up patience as a good thing just to keep reminding us, you know, patience is what we're aiming at here. Yeah. And he wouldn't remind us, right, about the importance of it if he wasn't also going to help us, right? I mean, to help us to to pursue that. And so that's just, I think, a really encouraging thing to remember is that we're not on, on our own in terms of growing this particular virtue or fruit of the Spirit. So I, I guess while the command to patience is something we need to take seriously for the sake of the gospel, um, for our sake and also for the sake of those around us, we might be listening to this and feel kind of what I just talked about, like a little twinge of helplessness or hopelessness because we have struggled with being impatient for so long. Maybe we've tried all the things, we've tried to, quote, be more patient, only to fall back into our old ways of responding to life. And so I wonder... Can you talk about why attempts at superficial behavior modification eventually fall short when it comes to cultivating patience? In the book of Galatians, we have that famous list that's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? Um, and then it, you know, it goes on from there. But really, the Lord is telling us that patience is a fruit that the Spirit brings forth in our hearts. And so it has to be the spirit that is producing this in our lives. And so it's to the spirit that we need to go for help. And we need to go to the Lord and say, hey, I've had these bad models of patience in my life. Hey, I've had these really bad habits of impatience in my life. On my own, I cannot cultivate a patient heart. And yet I have this confidence that that's what the spirit produces and that when the spirit dwells inside somebody, the thing that one of the things that he produces is patience. And so Lord, please come send, give me greater measure of your spirit. Help me to produce this in my life. And that's what the spirit loves to do. And so ultimately patience isn't something that we can just sort of muster ourselves up to do. It's something that the spirit has to work in us. Now, are there practical things we can do to remind us that we ought to be patient? And does the spirit sometimes use really practical, nitty gritty little helps in our life? Absolutely. But ultimately it is a work of the spirit. And that gives us a lot of confidence because the spirit is the spirit of God who loves to do this thing and is all powerful in our lives. And so we have every hope that he's going to produce patience in the lives of his children. The good news of a gospel, among other benefits, is that we as believers can and will grow in our ability to wait with hope amidst the frustrations, challenges, and longings we experience every day. And yet, uh, we do need to be patient with, with growing in this particular virtue. It's kind of funny to think about it that way, because it doesn't happen overnight. And I like that on day 19 of the devotional, you highlight that you know the Lord uses various means to mature this quality in our hearts. But one of those means is trials, kind of like what I, I referenced with the Elizabeth Elliot quote. You reflect on day 19 on James 1, verse 2 through 3. And that reads, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then you also say that trials are the school of patience. I thought that was a really neat thing to reflect on. Can you maybe talk about why, why that's true and why it's important for us to remember? Well, the only way really to learn patience is when things don't go your way, right? 
if everything went just like smoothly and happily and everybody was nice and everything was on your schedule and everything was in time, you wouldn't have to really be patient. You could just go with it and you would be happy and that would be fine. So like literally the only way to learn patience is to have things not go your way. And so whether that's in sort of a little thing or a big thing, every time something doesn't go our way, we can see, oh, here, the Lord is giving me an opportunity to exercise this muscle of patience. And I think in that way, we shouldn't despise or sort of think nothing of the little opportunities to practice patience. I think we're sometimes sort of tempted to either excuse ourselves for impatience over little things. You know, you're walking across the kitchen and you stumble and your coffee falls on the ground or something. Oh, that's so fresh. Oh yeah. Uh, now that's going to take me an extra 30 seconds to get ready for work and I'm already late. And oh man, you know, but then we go on to our day and we don't, we don't really think any, I mean, okay, I spilled some coffee. I got mad, you know, whatever. And we think that was nothing. Well, really that was just like a little chance to practice your patience muscle. And then when you get to the car and it's covered in snow and it's going to take you an extra three minutes to clean it off that you didn't anticipate, well, that's not no big deal. That's a spirit given opportunity to, again, keep working that little patience muscle or keep growing that patience fruit. And so I think that gives us encouragement to see trials that the Lord brings. I mean, the Lord brings trials for many reasons and some of his purposes, we won't even understand this side of heaven, but one of his purposes at least is to give us an opportunity to practice patience and maybe we'll fail in it, completely fail. We spill the coffee, we shout a bad word, we wet it, grumble the whole time we're cleaning it up. You know, maybe it's a complete failure. Well, then it's an opportunity to turn to him and say, Lord, I, I totally messed up that opportunity to practice impatience. And you can be sure he's going to give you another opportunity to practice it probably five minutes later. So. <laughs> yeah, it is a it is a mindset shift, right? Like, is this an interruption of my goals or is this an opportunity to pursue God's goals? I want to move on um, to something that you actually started to talk about a little bit at the beginning of this conversation. There's a section in this devotional where you spend a good amount of time focusing on what we can do to redeem the time as we wait upon the Lord. And you write, quote, although we sometimes think of patience as a slow twiddling of our spiritual thumbs in the silence of life's waiting room, patience isn't always passive. So maybe you can share with the listeners um, some practical action items that we can choose to do while we partake in this particular season of waiting that we might find ourselves in? One of the things that has been really helpful to me is when I find myself waiting in some situation, especially kind of those little things, you're standing in line at the grocery store and the person in front of you has 15 million coupons and it's taking forever or, you know, or you're going to pick up your kids from sports practice and guess what? Practice is running 15 minutes late and there you are sitting in the parking lot waiting for them to get out, you know, whatever, those little opportunities that we have to wait to accept them from the Lord's hand and then ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to do right now? You know, here I am. And I, I think honestly, our phones are kind of our first go-to like, oh, well, I'll check Instagram or something. But, you know, to ask the Lord, okay, you're forcing me to be patient here. What can I do for your glory in this time? 
And Instagram's not bad. Maybe it's getting on there to check on somebody that you've been praying for. I mean, you know, that's great. And then to take that minute to pray for them. Maybe it's trying to memorize some scripture. Maybe it's taking that moment to make a plan for, you know, how you're going to serve somebody the next day. But when you find yourself kind of stuck for a minute to turn to the Lord and say, what good thing can I do with this minute that I'm stuck in? And how can I turn this for your glory? Well, thank you for helping us to kind of think through what that might look like, that practice um, in the particular moment that we find ourselves in. I also really appreciated that you offer some specific insights into a few common circumstances that can tempt us to impatience. And I think even just when I'm saying that, it's important again to to even distinguish the fact that impatience is not something that's happening to us, right? It's something that's coming out of us. It is a heart response to external circumstances. And so there are occasions where relationships or things that we're going through, they're, they're tempting our hearts, right? Tempting us to impatience and response. And so one of those circumstances is in the context of deferred hope. Can you explain what deferred hope is? Because someone listening may not be familiar with that term. And then maybe even how, even though deferred hopes are really painful usually to go through, how it can actually serve as a blessing to us. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think a deferred hope is something that you desire, a a good desire that you have that the Lord has said no, or at least not today. So maybe it's a clean scan from your cancer treatment. Maybe it's a spouse or a child and you're you know, you wish that you weren't single, you'd like to be married, or you wish that you weren't struggling with infertility, you'd like to have children, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a different job, a job where you could work with co-workers who are Christians and use gifts that God has given you, you know, it's, it's, it's a good desire that you have that the Lord has not given to you. And so it's something that you're hoping will happen, but it's deferred, it's, it's been put off for a time. And so you're waiting to see if the Lord might give you that thing. And that is really hard. Nobody wants to be in that place where you go, this is a good thing. This is something that God says is good. I think it's good for me to want this. And I've asked the Lord for it. And he said, not today. I'm not going to give that to you today. And so in that place, it can be hard to think how that could be good um, because it seems like, everything leading up to it was good. And so how is it that I'm having to wait now? And the verse that I use in that devotional is from Lamentations 3. And I'll just read that. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And I think that what Jeremiah is saying there is that we experience the Lord and we experience his goodness in some way that we wouldn't be able to if we weren't waiting. Waiting on the Lord causes us, first of all, to cast ourselves on him. We go, there's nothing I can do to bring this different job about. I've done everything I can do. Lord, I'm casting myself on you. So it increases our dependence upon him. It increases our opportunities to look for his goodness to us, his tender mercies to us in just in a variety of ways. The fact that we 
still have food to eat and clothes to wear and a place to live and that we, our salvation is in Christ, it sort of weans us away, sometimes exposes idols. You know, maybe, maybe I've put all my hopes of happiness on getting pregnant and the Lord has said, not today. Okay, well then where, where is my happiness then? It can't be in getting pregnant because that's not what the Lord's giving me today. What is the Lord giving me today? Well, the Lord is giving me Christ. And so it sort of weans us away sometimes from those things that we've set all our hopes on to redirect our hopes to Christ and to the benefits that we have in him. And then I think also these seasons of waiting are sort of, they're just like a little taste of the big weight that we all have for an eternity with him in his presence, gathered with his people. And so even as we're waiting in these sort of smaller things, even though they feel really big at the time, but in the scheme of eternity, they're smaller things. Even as we're waiting in those smaller things, we're training our hearts to wait for the biggest thing that is absolutely definitely going to come. And Jesus is absolutely definitely going to come back and take us to be with him and make us perfect and gather us with his people and allow us to live in his presence forever where there will be no more waiting and there will be no more sighing and crying and hardship. And so in our little weights, we can look ahead to the big weight and have confidence that it's all going to be fixed eventually. Yeah, thank you for bringing this into the conversation, the importance of an eternal perspective, even on our waiting and the things that we really long for that perhaps are deferred or or ultimately are not something that's part of God's grand design for, for our life. Because like you said, we do know that ultimately all of those longings and desires that we have, you know, find their fulfillment in Christ and that, you know, we will one day have all those pleasures forevermore at God's right hand. And, um, so it's it's helpful to think through that. We've got time for a few more questions. This has been a really eye-opening conversation. And so I want to be sure that we talk a bit about this, though, this particular point, because there are a few different circumstances, and we don't have time to talk all about them. You, in the devotional, cover about being patient with the weak, being patient in stagnant seasons, being patient in affliction, which is usually where I would go with the conversation. But today I'm going to do something different. I want to go because for me personally, impatience, I think is most expressed in my relationships. And so especially when it it seems as though somebody has sinned against me. So we're we're going to talk a bit about that for a few minutes. And you have a day that's devoted to when people sin against us. And you say that, quote, it's everyone's instinct to rationalize impatient responses to being sinned against. And you use the familiar, you know, childhood, he hit me first, or she did it, and she called me this name, you know, that type of attitude as um, an example of how we might often reflexively respond to real or perceived wrongs done against us. So how does the gospel of Jesus Christ then empower us to cultivate patience, even in the midst of those, you know, relational conflicts and and hurts. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really painful to be sinned against and to be mistreated. And sometimes it's a one-time thing. And sometimes it's, you know, over years and years that we've been mistreated by somebody. And that's really hard, but you're right that it's one of Satan's favorite tactics to get us to then justify all kinds of sinful bitterness and anger and frustration and impatience against people then who have sinned against us. And I think our great hope is that, you know, as the Lord says, 
vengeance is mine, I will repay. And that we serve a just God who is going to bring justice to every situation. And so if the person who is sinning against us is a believer, then the penalty for their sin has been laid on Christ and it has been paid for at the cross. If that person is an unbeliever, then God will bring justice on them at the last day and they will pay for that sin. Now, this is not saying that we can't seek justice in this life. I mean, the Bible gives us plenty of examples of people who in righteousness sought justice um, when they were sinned against. The Bible also gives us patterns for what to do when people sin against us. So I'm not, please don't hear me saying that we can never seek justice, but even any justice that we might get in this life is, is imperfect. It's not completely satisfactory. I mean, even if somebody sins against you and you take them to court and they go to jail or, you know, whatever, that still doesn't really solve the problem of all the hurt that we've experienced. And so we have to set our eyes, you know, as we said earlier on eternity and on the fact that God is the one who is going to bring justice and he is going to solve all of these things. And that in the meantime, while we're suffering under these things, we may seek justice if that's what, you know, if that's appropriate for the situation. We may, you know, in some circumstances, you just overlook it and, you know, you just don't even deal with it. And that may be appropriate in the circumstance. But our ultimate hope is in the fact that we serve a just God who is going to solve it eventually. Well, thank you. I would love to spend the last couple minutes of our time together to invite you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening today who struggles with impatience and wants to change, but they're feeling really discouraged. Maybe they feel like they've tried everything they know how to do, but they haven't really experienced a whole lot of progress up to this point. What would you say to encourage this listener with the hope and help of Jesus Christ? I mean, first of all, I would say that you're not alone and that I don't think that there is a person in your church or a Christian that you know who wouldn't say, I struggle with impatience. And so this, this is a, a temptation that is common to man, as the scriptures say. And so it's not just you, it's all of us. And our great hope in these temptations that are common to man is that we have a savior who became man and who faced these same temptations to impatience and yet was without sin. And he gives us his righteousness. And so we stand before God perfectly patient uh, because we have the patience of Christ covering all of our sins. And also that he gives us his spirit to live in us who loves to make patience, create patience in our hearts, produce the fruit of patience. And so uh, in Jesus, we have not only an example of patience, but we have somebody who on the cross broke the curse of sin and broke the power of sin in our hearts. And then who gives us his own righteous patience and then gives us his spirit who then works in us. And so the Lord gives us, as we've already said, lots of opportunities to practice patience. And tomorrow you'll have just as many opportunities to be patient as you did today and to cry out to the Lord for his help for those opportunities and to see that slow fruit of patience growing in your heart little by little. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those gospel encouragements. I want to let the listener know that if you are interested in learning more about this topic and how you might cultivate patience in your own life, you can scroll down in the show notes for the show, click the link there. That'll take you to a page on IBCB's website where you can access a link to Megan's book, but then also learn a little bit more about Megan. Now, Megan, I want to ask you if there's someone who wants to know more about your numerous resources, you've got a few a lot of different books and, and a lot of articles all over the web, where can they go online to connect with you and learn more about your ministry? Um, I am on all the social media platforms. Um, I also am an editor for the Gospel Coalition. And so my profile is on there and links to my books and my work is there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time uh, today to talk with us about your book and about this topic, helping us just to think through biblically the issue of impatience and how the gospel helps to uh, cultivate it in our hearts, helping us to wait with hope through even difficult afflictions or challenging seasons. So thanks again for the discussion today. It was really helpful. Thanks so much, Christine. It's always great to talk with you. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.